If you would take your scriptures and turn with me to Zephaniah. Zephaniah is the, one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. It's wedged in between Habakkuk and Haggai. Zephaniah chapter 1. We'll be reading the entire chapter. Zephaniah 1. If you'd give ear to the reading of God's word. The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, during the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly consume everything from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and the stumbling blocks along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off every trace of Baal from this place, the names of the idolatrous priest and the pagan priest. Those who worship the host of heaven on the housetops, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but who also swear by Malcolm. Those who have turned back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him. Be silent in the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has invited his guests. And it shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed in foreign apparel. In the same day, I will punish all who leap over the threshold, who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And there shall be on that day, says the Lord, the sound of a mournful cry from the fish gate, a wailing from the second quarter, and a loud crashing from the hills. Well, you inhabitants of Meactish, for the merchant people are cut down. All those who humble mon- who handle money are cut off. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are settled in complacency, who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. Therefore, their goods shall become booty, their houses a desolation. They shall build houses, but not inherit them. They shall plant vineyards, but not drink their wine. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of triumph and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like refuse. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all who dwell in the land. But God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, you have told us faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. We come this morning to study your word. We come to Zephaniah to learn of your plan for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guide us that we might learn from your word and grow in our faith. That through our study and the faith we gain, 
we will be able to glorify you in everything we do. For it is in Christ's name we ask. Amen. The book of Zephaniah is a heavy book. The heaviness comes from the message brought. Zephaniah was living in a time of great turmoil with the dark clouds of judgment hanging over the people of Judah. Yet this prophet brought a very simple message. He focused only on one thing, and he did not stray from his purpose. He opens with a vision of a coming worldwide disaster. This disaster consumes both Judah and the world. He calls this event in verse 7, the day of the Lord. He brings his message to show the people of God their need to prepare. Zephaniah goes on to show this day and its effects. He reveals the destruction of the nations in Jerusalem. As is true of most of the prophets of his era, he doesn't leave this dark and foreboding message without some ray of hope. He explains throughout his prophecy how this great day comes about. He gave this message of doom and hope in a very coherent and compelling vision of the last days. Zephaniah is a contemporary of Habakkuk, making his message contemporary of Habakkuk's idea of justification by faith alone. He was preparing the people to understand the covenant of redemption that would come through the Messiah. This morning we will look at the work of the prophet of Zephaniah. Zephaniah is looking at the world of his day. He observes the overwhelming failure of the people of Judah and of the nations around them to hear God's word and acknowledge him as the sovereign Lord. Zephaniah comes as the last prophet prior to Judah's captivity. He sets the sins of the people out and challenges them to recognize their sins and to repent of them. It is these sins he addresses that are the very reason this ruin is coming on Judah. He reveals the destruction that will follow their failure to repent. He also shows how this same destruction will fall upon those nations around them, those sins they have followed. In addition, he gives a wonderful ground for hope, even in the face of such a terrible destruction. He tells them with repentance, Will joy will come? He tells them, "Will the repentance will will joy come at their return from captivity?" Here is where the grace of the gospel is hidden. There are too many in Christianity today who fail to understand the whole counsel of God's word. They want to stay in the New Testament all the time. That is understandable. It's much more pleasing to hear the gospel and the love it's founded upon than to listen to the pronouncements of judgment. But we, but we ignore this judgment to our own peril. The Old Testament has a purpose in the plan of God. The Apostle Paul declares in Romans 15:4, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The Old Testament was written to show the sin of mankind. To show man he could not complete the covenant of works, therefore he could never on his own come into God's presence. It was to direct man to his need of a Savior, who one who would come to do for, for him what he could never do for himself. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, shown in the shadows, is the hope through this one who would come and deliver men from their bondage. In the New Testament, we learn his name. Jesus Christ. Therefore, studying the Old Testament prophets, 
should direct you into a stronger understanding of the grace God has given through Jesus Christ. Paul also explained the importance of this in 1 Corinthians 10.11. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages has come. As I look at our nation and the direction we're moving in, one filled with rampant immorality, unbridled greed, a failed view of the importance of life, as well as the lack of concern for the truth. I can't help but think this message is relevant to us and that we must wake up and listen and take to heart its call to repentance. For if we fail to do so, the same destruction that came upon Judah and her neighbors must fall on us. If God doesn't punish us, he must apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah and to Israel and to the Judah of Zephaniah's day. Let's examine verse 1 of this book of Zephaniah and learn of God's plan for his people. First, we will consider who is behind this message. Second, we shall examine what he did with this message. Third, we will see where the one delivering the message came from. Fourth, we shall learn when this message was given. Zephaniah comes to the people of Judah with a message. Yes, it's a heavy message, one that should bring fear and trembling to the hearts of all who hear it. Who is behind this message? Verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, during the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. It makes it very clear in the very first words of this prophecy who these words came from. The prophet declares who sent these words when he says the word of the Lord. Zephaniah was not bringing a message from his own heart. He was speaking to God's people from the very heart of God. This is the theme of scripture. It is not the words of men, but of God from Genesis to Revelation. God throughout history has chosen some men to speak for him. They don't speak what they think or feel. They speak what God places on their hearts. Moses was one of those men chosen by God. When the work he was given became a great, so great he was struggling with it, God called others to help. Numbers 11.25 Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the seventy elders. And it happened when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, although they never did so again. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon men who were chosen to do the work of God, as was Moses. In this case, the 70 men were to assist Moses in his work. The Spirit came on them, and they prophesied this once to show they were the chosen ones. David, in 2 Samuel 23-2, says, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his words were on my tongue. David understood that the very words he formed with his tongue were coming directly from God. The prophet is a vessel through which God delivers his message. Jeremiah saw this also. He said in Jeremiah 1.9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. This was the way in which God pronounced his word to his people. 
Sevenai saw it was God who was sending this message. He was nothing but a vessel to be used to deliver the message. This book presents itself as the word of the covenant God of Israel. These are not just the words of Zephaniah. In his opening words, the prophet himself places his works in that long line of godly men who have spoken for God from Moses to the apostles. All were prophetic mediators of the covenant. Each was inspired by God such that their very words were the very words of God. They were instruments of divine revelation. They confronted men for God. They brought a message men could not handle from God himself. We learn about this in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 17. Here, Moses tells the Israelites, God will raise up a prophet from their midst, from their own number. They will then be called through him to hear all God has declared to them in Horeb. Israelites had been called to the mountain to hear God as he spoke to them out of the fire of the mountaintop, on the mountaintop. The Israelites were afraid to be in the God's presence. This fire on top of the mountain was a fearful thing to them. They wanted none of it. They said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die. The Lord told Moses what they said was really good. He promised to raise up another prophet to speak to them. It was this new prophet who they were called to believe and trust in. This was Jesus Christ. You hear in Deuteronomy this explanation of the role of the prophet. Their words were to be the very words of God. These words were a substitute for the very awesome presence of God. For anyone to not handle these words correctly was to sin against God himself. This opening phrase, the word of the Lord, takes in this whole letter from Zephaniah. It claims this document is a, a divine utterance and an air of divine authority. It stands with the original covenantal documents. It is a part of God's revelation to man given to maintain the covenant relationship established on Mount Sinai. Who gives this message of doom and hope? The Lord Almighty gives it, just as he gives all of Scripture. This is why it's so important for us today to study these words. For it is in them alone that we can hear that we are drawn into the presence of God himself. You cannot know God and enjoy him without his word. You cannot prepare for the future without his revelation of what that future holds. What was it that came to Zephaniah? He says, the word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah. It was the word of the Lord. What did this word do? It came to the prophet. He didn't go in search of it. He didn't go out and purchase it. He didn't overhear it from someone else's conversation. He didn't make it up in his own heart. Zephaniah was drawn into the very presence of God in a way few men could understand in his day. He was given the very words he was to speak. We don't have any idea how this process works. The work is exclusively of God. As we have seen, this was God's pattern from the day of Sinai. Five times in the short letter, Zephaniah uses the words, this is the word of the Lord. This is the divine stamp of authority on what he is proclaiming. Zephaniah believed his words came from God. 
He believed God had given him everything he spoke. He took those words and he delivered them to the people of Israel, to the people of God throughout all ages. You cannot listen to these words and say, oh, that doesn't apply to me. That was for the people back in Israel's day. Paul explains the importance of the scriptures in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And I read this from the NIV. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is true of this book on doom, just as much as it is true for any of the New Testament books. God gave his word to Zephaniah because he knew men needed to hear these words. Men are sinners, and they all fall short of the glory of God. There's not a single man out there who can earn his place beside Jesus Christ. Zephaniah brings a message that shows man his need to repent, to turn away from his own selfish and sinful desires and to follow Jesus Christ and to learn to be self-controlled and focused on others above himself. This is not an easy message. Men don't like to hear such gloomy things about themselves. They want you to tickle their ears. To tell them how great they are. How easy it will be to get into heaven. This message is from the sovereign Lord Almighty. And it is not sent to be a pleasing sonnet to the ears of men. It's a wake up call. And it carries some very profound repercussions to those who refuse to hear. These words came from God through Zephaniah. He used Zephaniah's personality and the breath from his lungs and the tongue in his mouth to form them, but they were truly words from God. These were God's words in substance and his words in detail. It was the Spirit of God, as Peter explains in 2 Peter 1, 20, 21, who carried along the prophets in their revelations. Paul declared in 1 Corinthians 2.10, God has revealed them, them to us through his spirit. He went on to explain, the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. He shows that men cannot know anything from God on their own. They don't have the right spirit to know spiritual things. So what does it require to bring a message such as Zephaniah has brought? 1 Corinthians 2.13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. God spoke through the prophet Zephaniah. So you need to open your ears and listen. Listen to this message. For this message has some powerful points to make about you and about your condition before a holy God. Don't think that just because this message had such a temporal meaning to the people of Zephaniah's day, that there is nothing in it for you that you would be, that would just absolutely be a tragic, tragic mistake. Where does this man Zephaniah come from? Verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, during the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. 
The name Zephaniah means hidden of Yahweh. There's absolutely no evidence that the meaning of Zephaniah's name had any bearing on the message of this book. The name of Zephaniah is found associated with three other men in the scriptures, but there appears to be no relationship in any of them with the author of this book. This man gives his lineage back four generations. This is indeed unusual. Most prophets avoid giving much lineage because it detracts from them as the voice of God. It is never about the messenger, but exclusively about the message. Eight prophetic writers in the scriptures give no lineage at all. Six others list only their father. It is something we should consider when only one of the 16 prophets gives such a genealogy. Why would Zephaniah go back so far? I believe it's important to understand this. In the book, Zephaniah is focusing on his message on the leadership of Judah, both royals and priests. He does not mention the masses of poor people. His message was specifically aimed at the religious misconduct of both kings and priests. Therefore, his genealogy was given for a reason. The fourth member of his genealogy is Hezekiah. Is this the king of Judah? Some want to say it is not because he does not identify him as king. This is not a valid reason to ignore the obvious. Descending from Hezekiah would make Zephaniah of royal blood. He would have been kin to the present king. Having such a connection would make Zephaniah an accepted personage within the leadership class of Judah. It also lends weight to his knowledge of what was going on in Judah, especially in the leadership circles. Hezekiah was one of the last good kings of Judah. He ranks up there with David as far as how he followed God and all he did. He understood the covenant of God with Israel. The contemporary king with Zephaniah, Josiah, was the last good king. It was in his reign that the book of the law was found in the temple and caused him to institute some very strong reforms. The combined reforms of the king and the message from God through Zephaniah should have had a very profound and lasting effect upon the nation of Judah. But it's clear from the actions of Josiah's sons that the people were not touched in their hearts by this message or these reforms. This service to teach that religious act must be from the heart and not just from the head. This is not some kind of new principle either. It comes from the very book of the law we are told Josiah found in the temple. Deuteronomy 10:12. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul? This is what Moses calls circumcision of the heart. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, that you may live. This is the promise of the new covenant. It's found in Zephaniah and comes through the line of David. This has always been the message of Scripture, both old and new. What did Zephaniah deliver? When did Zephaniah deliver his prophecy? Verse 1, the word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, during the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. Zephaniah was a contemporary of Habakkuk, 
And according to this verse, he ministered during the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. Josiah was also a great-grandson of Hezekiah. He came to power as a child when his father Ammon was killed by some of his servants. The people of Jerusalem rose up and killed the servants and placed Josiah on the throne when he was eight years old. How Josiah grew up to be a God-fearing man is not known, but he did. He instituted a cleansing of the temple of all of the idolatrous stuff his father and grandfather had placed in it. In that cleansing process, they discovered the book of the law, that is the book of Deuteronomy. Upon reading the book, Josiah saw the destruction that would come on Judah because of her sin. So he instituted reforms, reforms to remove from Judah idol worship. Zephaniah joined him in his effort to turn Judah back to God. This was the time of Zephaniah's prophecy. Josiah's reforms were kind of rapid in coming. Once he started, he moved forward quickly. His major policy changes would not have been enough to accomplish his goal. He needed a present word from God to get the support for his reforms. That support came from Zephaniah. He spoke to them using the book of the law they had just found. Zephaniah quoted nine times from Deuteronomy as he laid before the people their dangerous situation and called them to repentance. The discovery of Deuteronomy and Josiah's reforms and Zephaniah's prophetic warnings came around a hundred years after Israel was taken into captivity. Finding this book and hearing about Israel and her disobedience had to make them stop and consider how much longer God's patience would be with Judah. Here's the message of this book. It's a sign, a sign for us today of the persistent nature of God. God does, God shows great patience in working to redeem a people to himself. He is pointing these people to their own sinfulness and to their need of a savior. Josiah and his son Jehoiachin are the last two kings shown in the line of David through which Christ came, Christ Jesus came. Christ is being shown as the ultimate successor to David's throne. This little book, Zephaniah, makes clear the irrespective nature of the many dangers this successor would face. The people of Israel face many dangers and awful failings in their calling by God. God's plan lays out his purpose for having a people for himself. It makes clear this plan of having a people for himself could never be overturned or thwarted. These reforms, while accepted and followed during the lifetime of Josiah, were quickly abandoned in his death. Why? Because they were never confirmed in the hearts of the masses. This is part of the overall message of the Old Testament. You cannot get to a relationship with the Holy God through a covenant of works. That's why the new covenant was promised. It was declared in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. You can make people reform the way they do things. 
but only God can change their hearts so those reforms last. In studying the Old Testament, it's very important that you remember what God is doing, that you understand what he is showing you. The Old Testament lays out the reason you need Jesus Christ. Without the understanding of man's fatal flaw and his complete inability to overcome that flaw, you will be like the people of Jephaniah's day, absolutely clueless when it comes to having a relationship with God. You're a sinner. You have no hope in and of yourself. There's no way you can come into the presence of the true and living God by yourself. You cannot live your life in any way that would cause God to receive you. This is the message of the Old Testament. But the scriptures do not close with the writing of the Old. There's also a New Testament. The New Testament is the new covenant we read about in Ezekiel. God sent his only begotten son into this world to do for you what you could never do for yourself. He lived the perfect life, died the atoning death, and won the resurrection victory. Only, only through Christ and through his works can you come to God the Father and be received forever. This is the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Please, hear it. Hear it and place your hope, your trust, in Christ and in Christ alone. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we leave this worship service asking you to build us up in this most holy faith, that you would help us to pray in the Holy Spirit, that you would give us the strength to keep ourselves in your love as we wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring us into eternal life. Be merciful to all who doubt. Snatch those who are lost from the fire and save them. Show mercy to those who listen. Fill their hearts with questions mixed with fear so they come hating even the clothes stained by corrupted flesh. We need you, O Lord, because we cannot do anything to please you on our own. In Christ's name, amen.